You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Good evening, everybody. How you doing? Good to see you. Why don't we stand and pray tonight for the Word of God? If we haven't met yet, my name's Chad, part of the team here And uh, we are midway through, I think, uh, about halfway through our Revival in Our Finances series. Who's been enjoying that? From time to time as a church, we touch on finances because it's such an important aspect of every single person's life. So why don't we pray in this place? Maybe you've never prayed before. Maybe you're new to church. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment as you stand there? God, we commit these next few moments to you, Lord. God, we thank you that as we look at your word, we look at your Bible. God, in your word, it brings great change to our life, God. God, in a world full of options and opinions, God, we trust in your word. God, as we open it, as we look at it, as we let it speak to us, God, I pray every person walk out of here different, God. Shift some stuff in every person's life, God. God, we ask for great revelation and also great dinner afterwards in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. They got a loud amen. You can grab your seat. Great to see you out tonight. Uh, We've had some wonderful services across Perth today as well. And uh, interesting results in the rugby last night. Who wants to know the score right now? What's happening with South Africa and Wales? I don't know. I was too busy worshipping. I didn't even look. But at the end of the day, some of us were born in different countries, but we all moved to Australia. So we all go for the Wallabies because um, we've chose to live here. So we choose the teams and uh, that certainly took the air out of the room. But Revival in Our Finances is the series that we're in. And uh, tonight I wanted to to expand on that just for a little bit. And uh, if you're new to church, we're talking about finances, we're talking about uh, different stuff. And, and one of the reasons we wanted to do that is, did you know that in the Bible, in the New Testament, in Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, the four Gospels where it's recorded Jesus' preaching and Jesus' sermons, it records there that there's actually 38 different times that Jesus gets up and speaks. Did you know that 16 of those 38 times when Jesus got up to preach, he spoke on finances? He spoke on money. That's like every second sermon that Jesus did was on finance. Now, if you come to church fortnightly, which I'm not saying you do, of course, you come every week, and you got the wrong fortnight, that means every time you turned up to hear Jesus speak, he was banging on about finances the whole time. Now, why was he doing that? Was it because God's broke? No. Was it because the church needs your money? No. He did it because he knew over 2,000 years ago that attached to every single person's heart is finance. In fact, he knew you cannot separate the two. The Bible says these words, that wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There is no separation between your heart and finances. And that is why Jesus constantly talked about finances, because he wasn't interested in the money. He was interested in the condition of our heart. And tonight, from that perspective, the title of the message is called First Response. Everyone say first. Everyone say response. That actually wasn't everyone and the word was response and not everyone responded ironically. Anyway, first response. You see, in society, 
We train specific people to be first responders. We train police officers, police women, we train the men, we train ambulance officers, we train counter-terrorism people who are specifically trained, ready, to be the first response to a situation. Tonight, I want to look at what's a Christian's first response in the area of finances. I'm going to go through a few scriptures here tonight. We're going to kick it off with Luke 16, 10 to 15. Are you ready for this? This is Jesus. He gets up to preach. He doesn't say, hey, everyone, my name's Jesus. I'm part of the team here in the early church. He doesn't say that. He gets straight into it and goes with these words. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. Jesus launches straight into it, right? So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Notice the separation between worldly wealth and true riches. And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you a property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus said these words, you cannot serve both God and money. He says you can't serve both God and money. He doesn't say you can't have money. He doesn't even say you can't be rich. He just says you cannot serve both God and money. Now verse 14 says the Pharisees, they're like the religious people who had a form of religion, but they didn't really have a relationship with God. They loved money and they heard all this and they were sneering at Jesus, whatever sneering is. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of others, but God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Tonight, we want to look at what is a Christian's first response in the area of finance. Over the weeks coming and before, you're going to hear messages on, I guess, the other 90%. You're going to hear great messages on stewardship. But tonight, in particular, we want to look at the first response. So we're going to go to the beginning, okay? The first book of the Bible is Genesis, the 66 books in the Bible. In the very first book, I want to show you an analogy. We have Adam and Eve, the first two humans. They have two sons. Does anyone know the names of the two sons? Not many people knew. It's Cain and it's Abel. Cain and Abel, Genesis 4, 3 to 5. Listen carefully to this scripture. It says this, As time passed, Cain brought an offering to God from the produce of his farm. Cain was a farmer. He brings an offering to God. Abel also brought an offering, but from the firstborn animals of his herd choice cuts of meat. The Bible says this, that God liked Abel and his offering but Cain and his offering didn't get his approval. As sons can do from time to time, Cain lost his temper and went into a sulk. Two sons, Cain and Abel. Both are farmers. One brings, I guess, some crops. One brings maybe a, ve- a vegan offering to God. <laughs> one brings meat, the Bible says. God isn't happy with one and he's happy with the other. I'm not saying God wasn't happy because it was a vegan offering tonight. But if you read the first part of that scripture, Cain, after some time had passed, ready? Watch me tonight, brings an offering to God. So what actually happened was Cain had gotten all his produce together, all his finances, all his crop. And he looked after this, he'd done this, he'd paid this, he'd gone there. And then what he had left over, he brings to God. 
Abel, on the other hand, gets all his produce together and he gets the best and the first and he brings that to God. The Bible doesn't delineate between a financial distinction between the two. The Bible doesn't say one was worth more than the other. All it says is, is God was happy with one of the offerings and he wasn't happy with the other one. He was happy with Abel's offering simply because it was the first. Let me give you another analogy of this. A couple of years ago, we were down south of Western Australia. And when we were down there, we often go to the bakery. I love vanilla slice. Who loves vanilla slice? I love it. And I'm there at the bakery. And after having about 10 vanilla slices over a week, I said these words as they came out of my mouth. I couldn't believe I actually said it. I said, you know what? I'm not going to have one, kids. I'll just have some of yours. And as I said that, I went, oh, no, I've become that person. I hate when people say that, but I said I'll just have some of yours. I have two sons myself. Their names are not Cain and Abel. But I said to my two sons, I'll just have a bite of yours. One of my sons, who will remain nameless, grabbed the vanilla slice and thought, if Dad's having some, well, I'll eat this much now. (laughs) There you go, Dad. One of my other sons said, all right, Dad, here you go. You can have the first bite. Both my sons gave me the same amount of vanilla slice, but they gave it to me in two completely different ways. Both Cain and Abel gave an offering to God, but they gave it to God in two different ways. You see, God isn't actually interested in your money. He doesn't need your money. He's not broke, but he's interested in your first. There is so much power in your first response in the area of finance. Can I get an amen to that? Let's go to the next book of the Bible, Exodus. You ready? Don't worry, I don't have 66 points tonight as we go through every book of the Bible. In Exodus 13, verse 1, God speaks to Moses saying, Consecrate every firstborn to me. The first one to come from the womb among the Israelites with a personal animal is mine. Moses said to the people, Always remember this day. This is the day when you came out of Egypt from a house of slavery. God brought you out of here with a powerful hand. You see, God delivers the Israelites out of Egypt... And because he'd done such a great work of redemption, he says to them, from now on, bring your first to me. You see, God is in the business of redemption. In fact, let's be honest tonight. There are many people who are sitting in this room. And if it wasn't for the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, you wouldn't even be here. So in response to that, you'll see woven throughout the word of God is God just saying, hey, just bring your first back. In fact, If you read the scripture a little further on in Exodus, it says, If you don't give me the first, you may as well break the neck of all the others because it's going to be worthless. You see, we live in a society that says, Keep, look after, look after yourself first, where we have a God who says, If you honor me first, I will then take care of the rest. Now, tonight we've looked at the Old Testament. That's Genesis. That's Exodus. You might be sitting there going, Yeah, but that's the, you know, the old covenant. What about the New Testament? Well, I'm so glad you asked because let's go there right now. Matthew 23, verse 23, the New Living Translation. This is Jesus again, hear me tonight, giving another sermon. And guess what he's talking about? He's going on about money again. He says these words, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of law, justice, mercy, and faith. Jesus' words. If you only hear one thing, hear this tonight. Jesus says, you should tithe, yes, 
but do not neglect the more important things. It's as if it's a given. It's as if Jesus like, of course you should be doing this, but you should also be looking after people, loving on people and caring for people. Aren't you glad you're part of a church that has passionate praise and worship, but also cares about people by doing connect groups? Aren't you glad you're part of that? And giving God your first and your best is really the first response you should be looking for as a Christian. You might be sitting there going, yeah, well, I don't know, is that still Old Testament? Is that, you know, he hadn't died on the cross? Well, well, the law was there, but what you got to understand is Jesus came to fulfill the law. And when grace is present, grace requires more. I'll give you an example. Jesus was there and in the Ten Commandments, it says these words that you should not commit adultery. Most people, I'm sure in this room, would think committing adultery isn't right. Jesus said, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. He goes, well, now I say to you that even if you look lustfully at another person, it's like you've committed adultery in your heart. The law was there. Jesus turns up and grace requires even more. Another example, the Old Testament, the scripture says, thou shalt not murder. I'm not even going to go a show of hands on this one. Surely everyone in the room tonight thinks murder is wrong. If you don't, please come and see Pastor Mark Lassie afterwards. Don't make yourself too known, but come and talk to him. Thou shalt not commit murder. And then God says that. It's in the Ten Commandments. And then Jesus turns up and says these words. You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder. Now I say to you that even if you have hate in your heart towards someone else, it's like murder because grace always requires more. Tithing and honouring God first with your finances is one of those things that can be found in the Old Testament. It's there in Jesus' time and it goes through the cross and is present in our life in 2019. Now, let me get a little bit more practical for you tonight before you may fall asleep and think, where is it all this headed? I'm going to ask the one only Leah Hines to join me on stage right now. Put your hands together for Leah. She's a champion in our church. She's been here since nearly the beginning, I think. She's got a help me with an analogy on stage. Leah, you doing well? Yes. You don't really have a mic, but that's, that's fine. Here we have 10 $100 notes. They're not real notes. It's actually illegal to print money. So we tried to make them as big as possible. So it doesn't look like we're even printing money. But in our hand right now, we have $1,000, 10 $100 notes. A couple of years ago, I did this analogy and I thought to myself, shall I do it again? I'm not sure if I should do it again. But then when I thought about it, the principles of God are the same yesterday, today and forever. Some of you need to hear this tonight of how it works in 2019. You see, when I was 18 years of age, is there anyone who's 18 years of age in the room tonight? 18 years of age, I'd finished high school and I thought to myself, you know what, I'm going to study. I'm going to study one day, but before I do that, I'm going to get a full-time job. I started working at Coles Girrowing. Whoa, some stuff went down at Coles Girrowing that no 18-year-old should be involved with, but I was there. The problem is, 22 year late, <laughs> years later, I haven't studied since, but I, I thought I would. So I started working full-time at Coles Girrowing. Now, I am so old now that I used to actually get paid in cash. Is there anyone here that used to get paid in cash? Like, yeah, see, there's some hands. Now, I'm not talking about you're a tradie now and you're doing dodgy cashies on the side. Like, I'm talking about legit. I got paid in cash, yeah? Some of you know what I'm talking about. I worked at Coles Gearwing. Every Thursday, I would get paid in cash. Every Thursday, I would walk up the stairs at Coles Gearwing and I would knock on the little door there and a lady would give me a little yellow envelope with $200 cash in it. 10 $20 notes. That was a lot of money back then. 
And you see, I was a, a pretty good Christian boy. I was trying to work all the stuff out. In fact, I was a youth leader, just like some of you guys at City Youth. And on Thursdays, I would get paid. The problem was, and this is where our analogy kicks in, is on Thursdays, I'd probably need to get some fuel. So I would go to the Shell Servo and put some fuel in the car, the Toyota Hilux, at about 50 cents a litre. Let me say that again, 50 cents a litre. And then on a Friday, I would help out at youth, I would maybe buy a few things, I'll drop a bunch of teenagers home on a Friday night, we'll get some Maccas on the way home, and the kids never had money for Maccas. Even though they had $400 sneakers on, they could never afford McDonald's. On a Saturday, I'd play football, and there'd be some expenses there, we'd go out, have dinner, and then it would get to a Sunday when church was on. Every Sunday, I would bring 10% of my $200, a $20 note, and put it in the offering. And I would think that was great and it was fine and it was good. But what I began to understand is this. Is that although I was giving 10% of my income to God, I wasn't actually giving God my first and my best. You see, God is in the business of redemption. Let me explain. God wants to redeem whatever you give him. So I was giving 10%, but I was giving my first 10% to perhaps Shell Servo and then McDonald's and another restaurant and then this and that. And I can tell you this, is Shell and McDonald's, as good as they are, they don't have the redemptive power that Jesus Christ has. So you've got to be so careful where you first go. I began to realize that as I gave my 10%, I wasn't actually giving my first to God. Something phenomenal, hear me tonight, happened in my life when I began giving God my first. I put the money aside and even now to this day, whether we get paid on a Thursday or Friday, I try and make the first cent to come out of my account, my tithe to God. You know why? Because he's in the business of redemption. When you give him your first, guess what he does? He redeems the rest. You see what Cain did, Cain looked after himself, his family, and there's nothing wrong with all that. He did some great things, he needed to buy some stuff, and then with what he had left over, he gave it to God. That's not tithing. That's just giving your leftovers to God. The danger with that is people will say, well, I can't even afford to give anything to God. Well, when you give your first, you can afford to give it to God. Now, I'm not here tonight to be silly about it. You might not be able to afford some other things that you want to do. But when you give your first to God and your best, you actually begin to position yourself where he can bless you. Do you know what a blessing is? It's this. It's having supernatural powers working for you. If I was to ask every single person on this planet, do you want supernatural powers working for you? Everyone would be like, I do. One of the ways you can do that is by honoring God first with your finances. The opposite of a blessing is a curse. You know what a curse is? Supernatural powers working against you. Nobody wants that. One of the ways you can bless your finances in all areas of your life is honoring God first. The moment you get paid, the moment you get any money in, a test takes place of who you're going to honor first and who you're going to say thank you to. And it's not about even money. I could have anything up here. I could have hours of the day up here. Watch this, ready? Give me a wave if you're a morning person. You're better in the mornings. There's a few of you. Give me a wave if you're better in the nights, which will be most of you. That's why you're here at the 5 p.m. Some of you didn't even realize there was a 9 a.m. You just thought church was about 5 o'clock. There's morning services. You should check them out one day. I used to be a real night person. I was terrible in the morning. And then I had kids. And everything changed. 
And 8.30 now is like lunchtime. Kids, anyway, I used to do something, which again, I thought was a good thing to do. Every night, hear me, I would lie in bed and read my Bible. And then I'd read my Bible and as I'd fall into sleep, I'd close my Bible, say a quick prayer and fall asleep. There is nothing wrong with that. But don't forget, God is in the business of redemption. He wants to redeem stuff in your life. The only thing God could redeem in my life was the last three seconds of my day before I fell asleep. The Bible says, awake and rise early and seek Him. Why? Because He wants to redeem your day. If you give your first hour to God, He redeems the rest. If you give your first dollars to God, He redeems the rest. What is your first response as a Christian in the area of time, in the area of talents, in the area of finance? How you respond determines a direction in your life. Can you put your hands together for Leah as she makes her way off stage? Don't keep the money. It's not real. She's putting it in her pocket. That's, that's stealing from... No, anyway. You know, money is so powerful. That's why we want to talk about it. Do you know money is so powerful that we actually, hear me tonight, we actually mourn the loss of money. You think about that. Every person in this room tonight hates getting ripped off. Don't you? You hate getting ripped off. When you lose money, you mourn it. There's not many things you mourn in life, right? You mourn the loss of a loved one, and that's totally fair. You mourn the loss of something close to you. But every single person mourns the loss of finance. I can tell you there's been many times I've sat around with my friends and talked about how we missed out on the, the housing boom by buying at the wrong time and then we moved to Melbourne and we bought at the wrong time and we come back and we've missed out on hundreds of thousands of dollars. In, what am I doing? I'm mourning the loss of finance. That's how powerful money is. That's how strong the hold money can have. I learned this at a young age in, in Sunday school, right? In, in my naivety, ready? Listen to me. In my naivety... I used to go to Sunday school when I was a little kid and, and my dad, uh, he had a jar in his study. You know, when your dad used to have a good old study, I'd go in there and my dad had a jar of coins. Some of you don't even know what coins are. Before pay pass, right, there was this thing called coins. I used to go in there and I would take the 50 cent coin out of the jar because I thought the bigger the coin, the more it was worth. How wrong I was. But I would take the 50 cent coin. I'm not even sure my dad knew I was doing it. So in theory, I guess I was stealing from my natural father to give to my heavenly father, but that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is I would take the coin, I would go to Sunday school, the offering bucket would go past, I would put the offering in, and I'm in my immaturity and my, my not understanding what was going on, as I put the money in the offering there, I thought that was the end of it. I thought I'd never see it again, because I used to watch it go up the aisle and go, well, that's gone. <laughs> That's the end. Then I'd watch it go down the other aisle. Then I'd watch it go down the other. And then I'd see the Sunday school people walk out the back and take the finance. In my immaturity, I thought I'd never see that money again. But that's as silly and naive as a farmer doing the following. Going out and buying some seeds, finding a paddock, digging a hole, putting some seeds in the ground, watering it, covering it up and going, well, guess what? I'll never see anything out of that and walking away. Jesus constantly talked about seeds. He constantly talked about farmers and the analogy. And a mature farmer will understand, ready, watch me, even though the seed leaves his hand, it never ever really leaves his life. Every time you give to God, every time, 
Every time you give to God, although the finance leaves your account, guess what? It never leaves your life. Every single time it leaves your account, you might, oh, that's a lot of money. It's gone. It will never, ever leave your life. At the right time, the Bible says, a proper harvest will come up and you will reap a harvest. You know, Pastor Mark has actually said this before. He says, you can be a believer in God, but you can be an atheist in your finance towards him. The whole point of this series isn't because as a church we're, we're trying to raise more money or we've got an issue with finance. The whole purpose behind this is we know attached to every single person's heart, ours included, is the issue of finance. You can't separate the two. One of the last scriptures in Malachi 3 verse 10 says these words. It says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple if you do says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out such a great blessing that you won't have enough room to take it in. Then God says something interesting. He says, try it. He says, put me to the test. There's not many things where the creator of the universe says, I dare you to do it. He's almost having a go. Go on, go on, try it. Go on, put me to the test. I dare you to take me on in this area and see what happens. The Bible says, if you do it, your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them. Other translations say, he will rebuke the devourer over your life. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. I get the privilege of going to all the different locations across Perth. And one thing I know is this, is in every location, every time we have worship and we say these words, come forward for prayer, in every location, multiple people get out of their seat and come forward for prayer. Guess what they're asking? They're saying these words, will you help do spiritual warfare for me? That's what we're doing. Tonight, a whole heap of people came forward, said, will you pray for me? Will you do some spiritual warfare with me? Well, guess what Malachi 3 is saying here? It's saying, if you honour God first with your finance, as good as Pastor Mark Lassie's prayers are, you won't need them because God says, I'll do spiritual warfare on your behalf. It's laid out clearly. He doesn't say it's going to be easy. He doesn't say there won't be faith challenges, but he says this, I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. You won't even need to get out of your seat and get prayer because you've got the, the mighty God doing spiritual warfare on your behalf. What I'm aware of tonight in this room is this, is many of you have probably been in other churches where money's been misused or abused or even stolen. I've been part of churches where that's taken place. Not Kingdom City, but in previous churches where money's been misused, misrepresented, stolen. And I've sat there and thought to myself, well, I've given so much. But guess what? I was never giving to a person, an organisation, a man, a pastor. I was always giving to God. Whether it's misused, abused or invested, well, it doesn't really matter. Because the seed that I sowed will never leave my life. And I want to say it to you tonight, I know there's people here and you've been in churches where it's gone bad before. I'm not saying trust us, I'm saying trust Him. Trust God. Trust God again. Trust God again. And the final point is this. is A couple of years ago, I was sitting there with my two older kids and we were looking at 
uh, I was trying to teach them about money at a young age and, and they were looking at internet banking and they were looking at how much the school fees cost and then they were looking at how much food they eat and how much that costs and I was trying to show them and then they saw the fact that my tithe was there, my first 10% and it was going to Kingdom City and they were like, whoa, that's so much money. Not because we actually get paid a lot, but when you're a five-year-old, you think that is so much money. His exact words, my son was, whoa, that is so many Ninja Turtles I could buy. That... <laughs> That's what he said. He said, Dad, why do you give so much money to the church? Now, it's not actually that much money, but it's the first 10%. And I was reminded of Exodus 13, 13 to 16, where it says these words. It says, redeem Every firstborn child among your sons. When the time comes and your son asks you, what does this mean? You tell him, God brought us out of Egypt, out of a house of slavery with a powerful hand. I had the privilege and honor of sitting with my son and telling him this. I won't say it as, I didn't say it to him as harshly as I'll say it to you tonight. But the truth is, if it wasn't for God, I'd be an absolute mess. My life would be in a mess. Some of you years ago heard a testimony that I shared. For, for others of you, you know deep down too, ready, that if it wasn't for God, your life would be a mess. So when it comes to the area of your first response to God, you can hear sermon after sermon and there are principles there. But in reality, if you have ready an attitude of gratitude, you'll find it easy to honour God first with your finance. In fact, it's just a way of saying thank you to God. All rules go out, all regulations go out, and it becomes a pleasure to say, oh God, if it wasn't for you, I got no idea where I would be. So God, it's an honour to honour you first with my finance. When you've got that attitude of gratitude, all the rules go out the window and you just want to do it. I liken it to this. This is, a, <laughs> this is an embarrassing analogy. But as pastors, we often get invited to weddings and, and different functions. And from time to time, when you get invited to a wedding, because you go to so many and it comes, ready, a time to buy a gift for someone. I'll be honest. Not all the pastors probably do this. It's probably just me. But uh, sometimes I'm like, oh man, another gift. Uh, what's the gift registry? And if I don't know them, hear me tonight that well. I still want to get them something. I still want to tick the box, but I don't necessarily want to extend myself. I just get them something and look at the registry and you, and you look at something you can sort of afford, sort of fits the budget, tick the box, take the present along, and it's a great night. There's nothing wrong with that. But when someone that you really love, when someone that you value, when someone that you're so grateful and thankful for are getting married or having a birthday... You might grab the registry and go, you know what? I love these people. I'm so glad they're in my life. What can I get them? What can I get them? You might even look at the registry and go, nah, that's not good enough. I want to find something special for them. You go out of your way to bless them. You go out of your way to honor them. Can I tell you, that's what it's like with God. When you're so grateful for everything he's done, you'll find it so easy to honor God first with your finance. But if he's just a small little part of your life and oh, I'm just in church, just want to tick the box and get it done, you'll struggle with it and you'll just give your leftover and you'll be like Cain and, and nothing will really get traction or flow in your life. But when you're grateful, when you love him, when you give him your first, you watch what he can do with the rest. But it has to come, not through rules, not through regulations, but through 
a gratitude, through an attitude of gratitude. The last scripture, the eighth scripture of the night, in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, says these words, to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, ready? In all your ways, acknowledge Him. You can worship God with your hands. You can be in every church service. You can serve. But in all your ways, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. He shall direct your paths. Why is this so important? Because I'll go back to the very top of the message. For wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Some people here tonight, you might be sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm a bit indifferent with God. Nothing's really happening. I need something to happen. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we first launched Transform Cambodia and Kingdom City Cambodia, I'll be honest, it was an amazing time, but I thought to myself, I don't know exactly where Cambodia is. I know it's in Asia. I've never been there. But I looked it up and then eventually we went to Cambodia on the first trip ever. And it was amazing. We spent a few weeks there. And then we, we started investing in it financially. I got back to Perth and one day I was sitting there doing a little bit of work. And on the news, hear me tonight, a story about Cambodia comes on the news. Now on the news, I am sure there's been thousands of stories about Cambodia. But this time it got my attention. I was sitting there doing a bit of work. And as soon as I heard the word Cambodia, I stopped what I was doing. I turned, I looked at the TV and I started listening to what was happening in Cambodia. Why? Simply this, ready? Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Kingsway Christian College, a great school. A lot of my fees and finances go there. I never used to read the emails. I never used to care. Now I'm paying about $15,000 a year. I read every email. Why? Because wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. Tonight in this place, there is no altar call. Run to the front if you're not tithing. That's not going to happen. The true altar call is between you and God. Some of you might need to go home and change some stuff, shift some stuff, do some stuff. Whatever it is, that's between you and God. But every single time you get paid, every single time you get finances in, every single time, it's a test you take to see where your gratitude lies. Will you honour God first? Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.